in the early church. And we are in Acts chapter 13. That's the Bible study that we had from last, year, last week. Uh, we have a new study this week. I don't know whether we'll get to it. We didn't this morning, but we'll, we're going we're to go and take it again just as we left off. And we, as you remember, this is where Paul and Barnabas are on their, their missionary trip. They're in the island of Cyprus. And um, they are delivering, Paul is in the middle of delivering his sermon, his sermon to the, to, on the, to the Jewish community in which he ties in all the prophecies of the Old Testament, brings it together through John the Baptist and says to them effectively, this is the culmination of everything that God promised your fathers. This is what it's all about. Um, and uh, it's a, a brilliant sermon. You'll see it, and you'll see it uh, uh, changed as he, as he preaches to Gentiles in a different way. But uh, this is how he, how he lays it out. Lays it out for the Old Testament people, the, uh, the Jewish people. And why don't we just start with verse... 26 as we tie this together as we go forward brothers children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles and what what that means is that there were uh, Gentiles in the synagogue who worshiped with the Jews there were people there some of them had been converted had been converted Gentiles it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent the people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. We talked about that. The precise words in the Old Testament fulfilling the fact that Jesus would be martyred were written in the Old Testament. And you know as you study this, there were over 300, 300 prophecies concerning Jesus in the Old Testament. It's extraordinary. And yet, they didn't accept him. They didn't accept him. One of the great mysteries. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Verse 30, but God raised him from the dead. And that, my folks, is where the rubber meets the road. That is what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. No other religion, no other religious movement can say that its leader was raised from the dead. There's only one. Amen? Amen. And don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. It is what motivates us. It was, it's what separates us from the world. It's what gives us the peace that Hayes spoke about today. That's the peace. The peace no, that is, I know that this is only a prelude. This is a prelude. And by the way, that reminds me about the Bonhoeffer statement. Some of you have asked for it. We've run out of it. I'll make it a point to have more printed next week. Okay? Uh, but that's what this is about. Only one, only one man, only one man conquered death. But through him, we all conquered death. And so God raised him for the dead. And for many days, he was seen by those who had traveled with him. From Galilee to Jerusalem, they are now his witnesses. Look, he says, folks, look, not only was he raised from the dead, but there were 500 people that saw him. Now, we know that. 500 people that saw him walk around after he was crucified. This isn't just speculation. This isn't just hope. 
these are eyewitnesses who saw him. Uh, and really, Paul, even though he wasn't physically there, saw him in the spirit. Because when he had that vision and Jesus basically struck him down on the road to Damascus, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, Paul was given complete uh, witness to everything. And so he became effectively the 12th disciple and the apostle. I mean, it's all because the Holy Spirit through Jesus gave him the complete revelation. They are now his witnesses to our people. So this is all about being an eyewitness. Now we, verse 32, we tell you the good news, and this is it. This is where he's making, finally tying it all up for the Jewish people. We tell you the good news, what God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. This is the culmination of the promise, as it is written in the second psalm, Psalm 2, verse 7, if you want to make a note of that. You are my son. Today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead never to decay is stated in these words, and this is in Isaiah 55, verse 3. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. In other words, Abraham died and his body decayed. Moses died and his body decayed. David died and his body decayed. Jesus was crucified, put in a tomb, surrounded by 16 centurion soldiers with an enormous stone, and Jesus' body did not decay. Jesus rose from the dead. And that's what separates, that's what separates Christianity from the Old Testament. It is the culmination. It's as if he's saying to them, brothers and sisters, this is the culmination of our faith. It is everything that was promised to you. I had a, of a, a friend of mine who's a tenant in the building in which my, my office is in. He's a, 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 a devout Jew, an Orthodox Jew. He's a lawyer. Uh, and he said to me, you know, John, what bothers me about Christians is you people go around say, th saying your, your religion is better than ours. And that rubs me the wrong way. And I said, no, Ira, that's really not true. We say our religion completes your religion. That's what it is, you see? Because Judaism is like a sentence in which there's a comma. There's not a period. Well, Jesus put the period. That's it. That's what it is. And so uh, we, have to understand, we have to understand that as we deal with our Jewish brothers. He said something else that was amazing to me that I was really floored me. He said, well, because he's a very bright man, I mean, he's a devout Jew. He said to me, well, one of the difference between your religion and my religion is you have grace. I was speechless. He's right. We do have grace. Yeah. It's amazing when you hear, when you hear a Jew say that. It's amazing. It really is. And so verse 36. 
For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. And you know in the Bible when it says he fell asleep, it means he died. He fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Amen. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, circle that, put, a, put an arrow and write alone, okay? Alone. Through Jesus, alone, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. This would have been an astonishing thing to hear if you were Jewish and you were in a synagogue. Through Jesus, your sins are forgiven. Well, what about all these sacrifices? What about all these ceremonies? How many, look at, look at all these sacrifices that started through Abraham and continued through the patriarchs, through Moses, all of these things that we did, you know, constantly sacrificing for, to forgive our sins. No longer. Because there, as I said last week, there aren't enough animals in the world. There aren't enough animals in the world. I mean, if you think about it, when you think about yourself and just the, the struggles that you have with yourself, and you people are good people, you go to church and you try to do the right thing, and yet you know, you know, how many times does your mind travel, as my grandfather used to say, to Egypt? <laughs> Egypt. You can't even get out of bed in the morning without taking some of those trips. And I plead guilty to this. You understand it. And we harbor resentments, ill will. You know that we do. We live in this world. You know that we do. Every second of the day, there's a sin going on. And there's a shortcoming going on. You would ha you'd have to have a pile of, of altars and, and animal sacrifices that would reach up to the sky. We understand that. So he's saying this. For the first time, these Jews would have heard this story that only through Jesus would sins be forgiven. It was astonishing. Astonishing. Through him, verse 39, everyone who believes is justified. Now circle that. This is important. This is an important word. This becomes a doctrine. Justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Folks, nobody was ever saved by the law of Moses. The law of Moses didn't save anyone. The law of Moses demonstrated how sinful you were, how full of error you were, how far from the mark you were, but the law of Moses never saved anyone. And that is an important doctrine to understand. And so now Paul is now explaining that only through Jesus, believing in Jesus, having faith in Jesus, are you justified, meaning forgiven. And if you read Romans, and I know you've studied Romans, if you read Romans, you know that Paul spends a number of chapters writing about the doctrine of justification by faith alone. It is the very essence of what we believe. It is the bedrock of our faith. And basically, it means it doesn't matter how many good works you do because your righteousness is like filthy rags before God. We have no idea how holy and pure God is. And effectively, we, we were at war with God. That's what it was. We were at war with God. 
until we accept Jesus. And by accepting Jesus, we become engrafted onto the body of Jesus. And through him, we are fully justified. And God accepts us, not through any animal sacrifice, but only through the blood of Jesus. So this is the doctrine that he's laying out here that he will later write more, uh, with more depth uh, and we'll, we'll speak about it, but this is the beginning, seeing the point of it here as he talks about it. And, and this is an astonishing thing. If you're a first century Jew, Old Testament Jew, you hear this, you're like, you're, you're just sitting there and you're like astonished. Because if your mind is open and your spirit is open, you would have to say, oh my, it is the completion of the, the promises of the Old Testament. But not everyone understood that. And the spirit, for many people, the spirit did not touch them. And we're going to hear about this and why that happens. And that's one of the lessons we're going to hear today. And so then he says... And this is important. Verse 40. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, and this is a quote. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe even if someone told you. Now, don't panic. I'm going to ask you to turn to uh, Habakkuk. Okay, chapter 1. Now, Habakkuk, before you go flipping to the front, it's going to be simple. Go to the first chapter of Matthew and go back about seven or eight pa pages. Okay? How's that? All right? Go back about seven or eight pages and you will come to Habakkuk chapter 1. And here's what's going on here. Habakkuk chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 5, and I'll give you a background of what's going on here. The Jewish people, well, what else is new? Fell away from God. Surprise. You know, it seems like every five years that's what they did. We're obviously going into false worship and idolatry and every number of sins, and finally God had had it. He had had it. And so he delivered a direct message to the people of Israel. This is a direct message from God. And Paul is repeating this message now to this first century Jews who are hearing the gospel of Jesus. Okay? This is a warning. Look what God did. Look what he did here. Take a look. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Okay, I won't finish reading there. I'm just going to stop at that point. What is he saying? I'm going to make the Babylonians, I'm going to allow them to come in and be my scourge. They're going to be my rod. And they're going to come in here, and they're going to sweep this place clean. They're going to destroy everything. 
everything, including your temple. It's going to be wiped out. And not only that, you're going to be brought into captivity. And by the way, do you know who the modern-day Babylonians are? The Iraqis. Okay? Iraq. Okay? Just so you tie it up. Okay? So God is saying to the Jewish people, because you have not listened to what I told you, you have not done what I told you, there is a judgment. Judgment. We don't like to talk about judgment, but there is a judgment. And this judgment is, this place is going to be wiped clean. And you're going to be brought into captivity, and you're going to be in captivity for a number of years. This is a very sobering thing to hear, because he's saying this to Jewish people who are given the gospel. And what he's saying to them is, folks, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm giving you this gospel. But if you don't accept this gospel, there is a judgment. There is a judgment. Now, it's not for you to say what the judgment is. You don't go around pronouncing judgments on people. That's for God. But what God is telling us, and this is his word. I'm not saying this. This is God's word. You reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. It comes to you face to face and you say, I don't want any part of that. I don't believe in that. I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. I don't believe in organized religion. I don't like organized religion. They're all good. They're all, we're all going to God. There's a thousand ways to God. Have you heard all this? You've heard it. Yeah, you've heard it all. Folks, I'm telling you plain and simple. It's not John Garippa telling you. It's the Bible. So if somebody says to you, you know, I don't, I don't like the way you people... You speak like this. You're exclusive. I don't like this. You know, you offend me. Brother, I would say this. Look, I'm not offending you. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give the love of God to you. I'm telling you what the Bible tells me. And I believe the Bible because I know the Bible has been confirmed by so many other secondary sources that it's truthful, that everything in it, every word is truth. And brother, I'm telling you this. I have it confirmed by the Holy Spirit in my own heart. This is what God tells you. I wish it weren't so. I'd like to be able to say, yes, we all will be together. We'll see each other. But that's not how God made his plan. And you have to, got to come to terms with this. And he's telling them, remember what happened to our brethren, how the Babylonians came in. Well, remember who allowed the Babylonians to come in. It didn't happen by accident. God brought them. God allowed them. They were his scourge. And so he's saying them to them now, this is going to happen again. This is going to happen spiritually. Now, what's amazing about this study is that when you look at, at the words, I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you, it operates on separate levels. And that's one of the great things about studying the scripture. Because I can tell you this, that I have, I've written these Bible studies. In some cases, I might have written them s several months ago. And when I come back and I, and I review my notes in preparation for what I'm going to do and I pray about it, I can't tell you how many more insights God gives me that I never had the first time I did it. That the words operate on multiple levels. And here's an example of the multiple levels. I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe. Really. Well, I guess I wouldn't believe you'd allow the Babylonians to come in and wipe out Jerusalem. 
I guess I wouldn't believe that you would allow the Babylonians to come in and destroy the temple. I guess I wouldn't believe that you would allow the Babylonians to come and take the Jewish people into captivity. How about this, though? Would you believe that Jews would be the messenger of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Gentiles? Would you believe that? No, you wouldn't. So equally amazing, you see? I'm going to tell you something. Equally amazing with all this, equally amazing as you fast forward hundreds of years, is the fact that God would use the Jewish people, this was his plan, to deliver the message of salvation via Jesus Christ. Okay? That would be equally amazing. Uh, and so it's astonishing how the scripture works on so many multiple levels. And so verse 42, as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. Look, this is important to know. Not everyone refused the gospel. There were Jews that believed. There were devout Gentiles who were converted to Judaism who believed. So there were people that were believing. But here's the thing, and this is what you need to know in terms of your own, your own spiritual walk, where there are blessings, where God is moving, where the Spirit is advancing, where people are moving, pulling themselves out of the muck and mire of this world and sin, then Satan must come in. Satan is just around the corner. You can take it to the bank. It's always there. It's, a, it's like a paradigm that exists. Where, where Satan sees God working, Satan will come in and try to destroy God's work. I don't care where it is. That's in every church in the world. That's in every home in the world. Every family in the world. You take two steps forward to, to serve God, you can depend. Somehow, some way, there's going to be an obstacle in your life. There's going to be some way that Satan is going to try to detract you, derail you, and, and keep you from advancing. And look what happens. Oh, is that a, a shock? Look what happens. Verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Circle that. The whole city. Now, can you imagine the success of what they were preaching? That the whole city would come out? You know, you see a Billy Graham crusade. You see a, a, a stadium filled with 50,000 people. And you think, wow, it's impressive. Can you imagine, imagine an entire city turning out to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the Jews saw the crowds, verse 45, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Now, look, you're talking abusively against the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of peace, the message of hope, the message of eternal life. This is Satan. This is Satan taking people and deceiving people keeping them from seeing the light and the truth. You see what's going on here. They wanted to destroy the work. And then in verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. And here's what comes to my mind here. This is when you see the impact of the Holy Spirit. When evil confronts the work of the Lord, when you come face to face with, with evil, and you all will, I pray that the first thing you do is you pray and you ask God to give you the sanctification and the spirit to face it. Because that's what you need. You need the Holy Spirit. And this is why I say you have to constantly be filled. Because you know what? If you're just a regular human being, 
facing evil, you're going to run in the other direction. But if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're prepared for this and you know that God is with you and he won't abandon you, when you see this happen, they were filled with the Spirit. And so look how they, look how they respond. Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. Can you imagine? Since you rejected it and you don't even consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we will now move on. God will move on. God does not tarry forever. And this, my friends, is a really sobering thing. This is a big deal. The message of hope and salvation does not go on forever and ever and ever. There is a time. There is a time. And then there is a time when it ends. And, and as, as he then said, which I think is, is so well quoted, he said, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And that's a citation again from the Old Testament, Isaiah. I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Again, this is a verse that operates under multiple levels. Circle the word you. I have made you. And here's what the you is. The you operates on three levels. First of all, level number one, Israel. I have made you, Israel, a light to the Gentiles. You are my designated light. You are my designated messenger. You, I am designated to go out and deliver the gospel. Failure. You number two, Jesus. I have made you, Jesus, a light unto the Gentiles. God has designated his son, Jesus, as the light to the Gentiles. You, number three, Paul. Paul. I have designated you, Paul, a light to the Gentiles. So you see how this verse operates? On three, it's amazing of the depth of Scripture. That in this one line that God has given hundreds of years before, it unfolds on three separate levels. Now, one of the things that I want to speak to you about, which is, again, pretty sobering, is Jesus' instructions to the original uh, uh, disciples, the 12, when he sent them out into the world. I want you to read Matthew chapter 10, if you would. Because this, again, see, it's important that we go back and, and check with Scripture. Because here's the deal. If you hear me say something and it doesn't check in your spirit, you know what? Go back to the Bible and read it. Because if I'm saying something that's not in the Bible, well, the Bible wins. Okay? And that goes for anybody you deal with. If you hear somebody that, you're, that your spirit is a check in your spirit and say, I don't think I, that doesn't seem right. It bothers me. Go back to the Scripture. Because if we say anything that's not in the Scripture, well, then forget it. The Scripture wins. That's who wins. And so here's the point. Why would he say we had to go to the Jews first? Why would he say that? And why would they do what they do here later, which you're going to see, is when they're rejected and effectively tossed out of town, why would they 
uh, wipe the dust off their feet. Why would they do that? Well, we go back and read what Jesus instructed them to do. Turn to Matthew 10, chapter, chapter 10, verse 5. These 12, the original 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any, enter any town of the Samaritans. Can you imagine? Jesus, what are you saying? It's not the time. It's not the time. There will be a time. There will be a time, but first, the time is you must go first. First to the people, the lost sheep of Israel. That's who you have to go to first. You know, it's kind of surprising. It's kind of surprising how this works. And so you go back and you read it. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals. Can you imagine? Or a staff. For the worker is worth his keep. You go in faith. I'm telling you to go, and I'm giving you the power through the Holy Spirit. This is what you're going to do, how you're going, to, you're going to cure lepers and all kinds of diseases. And you don't need to have any money, because as you go forward, you're going to look for people who are worthy. And you will continue to tell you, whenever, whatever town or village you enter, search for some worthy person there and stay at his house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. Oh, my Jesus. You mean if I come across someone that is not open to the gospel, I don't sit there and knock it down? You know, if I get enough time, I can really convince you, Ed. You know? No. 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 You see how this is? If, that, if you don't see an openness of spirit, you leave. You leave. We need this. We have to understand what we're dealing with here. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is, is laying it. You then let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. My God, that, that is frightening to me. This frightens me. Shake the dust off your feet. In other words, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm moving on. And I'm doing it in a very public way. This is a sobering thing, folks. This is a sobering thing when you re realize how God presents the gospel of Jesus for a time, not forever. And there's a judgment. And then look what he says. And this, oh, this is Jesus talking. This isn't one of the disciples. I tell you the truth, it will be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. Wow. That's pretty frightening. It'll be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for someone who is confronted with the gospel of Jesus Christ, looks at it and says, 
I'm out. I'm not interested. I don't want it. Now, the point of this isn't that you going around pronouncing judgments, okay? Because that's between God and that person. You don't have the right to make that judgment. You don't have the right. But you could see how God operates. You go into a house, you go in and you get a hostile reception, you should be gone. When you're dealing with the things of God, these are pearls. And, he, and, he's, and he's laying it out here. And so this is just an awesome, awesome uh, instruction by our Lord. And so as we continue here, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Now, be careful of misconstruing the word appointed for eternal life. Okay? We're not five-point Calvinists here. We don't believe uh, in predestination of the saved. We don't believe in an elect. We believe that all, all are called and given the chance for eternal life. But God has foreknowledge, right? Foreknowledge. When Jesus gave the sop to Judas, remember? At the Last Supper, the sop was the most honored. You gave that to the most honored guest. And Jesus prepared the sop and gave it to Judas. He gave it to him because effectively he was saying, Judas, don't do it. You don't have to do this. Change your mind. Don't do it. Don't and, and, and yet, did Jesus know? Did God know? Of course he knew. You understand? And that message, really that message echoes and reverberates to us today even more than it did to Judas because here's the point. He tells you, I'm not condemning you to hell. I'm giving you the chance for eternal life, but you condemn yourself. That's what it is. We condemn ourselves. We do this to ourselves. And so this is astonishing. And so verse 49, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city, just as you would expect, just as people are believing, as the word is, is being propagated, as the Holy Spirit is moving, the Demons, the Jews go out and incite people of high standing in the city. And so what happens? They stirred them up to persecute Paul and Barnabas and expel them from the region. Get out of here. We don't want you here. We don't want this message here. We don't want to hear anything about Jesus here. Leave. And so they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to the next city. Imagine, they shook the dust from the feet, just like Jesus told them. It's exactly what they did. But look at the last verse, the last part. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Whoa. The persecutions, the malevolence, the evil. Subsequently, you're going to see stonings. Paul, uh, Paul is almost going to be killed. I personally believe he was killed. And God uh, restored him. And yet, despite all of that, they were filled with joy. And what's the lesson, folks? The lesson is this, that if you, you, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you bring Jesus into your heart daily, that no matter what you go through, I don't care about illnesses. I don't care about financial issues. I don't care about relationship issues. If you do this in your life, there will be a joy that surpasses everything Hayes talked about it this morning. He talked about it this morning. True peace, not peace in the world, the peace that only comes from Jesus. Let's close at this point and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful, Lord, that you have spoken to us. We're so grateful for this word in the Bible, Heavenly Father, and the example of these giants before us, Lord, that touches our heart. 
I ask that the word be multiplied in our heart and grow for each one of us this week as we contemplate on it. And I also ask a wall of protection about these dear people. Protect them through this week and bring them back safely, Lord, to continue the study of the word next week. We put all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all.